0: Imagine a little boy at a county fair he gets on an airplane ride. They, they fasten his little seat belt. He's got a sober look on his face. He's flying an airplane. The ride begins. The little plane goes in circles. His parents and his grandparents are shouting and, and waving as he goes by and, and taking pictures as if he's Charles Lindbergh leaving to cross the Atlantic by air for the first time the little fellows hairs blowing in the wind the family is shouting and and but he's not laughing he's intense he's focused because he's a pilot and he's flying solo he's got to concentrate all of his powers to keep his aircraft aloft he's discovered there's a lever he lifts the lever and he realizes the plane will rise. And when he lowers the lever, the plane descends. On the dashboard are the decals of complex instrumentation. There's a flashing light that, that means nothing. There are pedals that do nothing. There's a yoke that turns nothing. He grasps it with both hands, and he banks around the circle. And with a furrowed brow, he works the buttons on the yoke and the lever. Finally, the ride comes to an end. And the little boy climbs out on the wing as if he just returned triumphantly from the moon. Or as if he just completed a sortie defending London from the Luftwaffe. His heart pounds. His hands tremble. The whole flight depended on his skill as a pilot. Most people people I know have a hold on this life as if the whole thing depended on them. Their hearts pound, their hands tremble, they're working the levers in a desperate attempt to keep their life aloft. But God is at the controls. Now here's another fellow. He's selected for a singing team while he's in college. He's, he's going to get to do what he loves the most, sing and travel the American West with other young people. All expenses paid, his tuition's paid, he's ecstatic about it. He's going to be on campus for about three weeks training. And then in late September to Christmas, he'll be on tour in the American West singing. Early in September, a subtle change comes into his life. It happened one night at a church picnic. In fact, it was Saturday night, September the 9th, 1978. He met a girl with dark eyes and long, dark hair. He talked her into eating with him in the college cafeteria. She agreed to spend that evening with him. They played putt-putt golf. Later, he was distracted by the smell of her perfume and the way the wind blew her long hair. She beat him. He talked her into accompanying him to church a few times. He wanted exclusive rights to her romantic affections. It was all he could think about. Before he could secure her promise, he had to leave on tour. For the rest of the fall, he was touring the West, singing in churches. But his heart was always back at college. And he wondered, and he worried, and he didn't really enjoy the tour or enter into it with a whole heart because he kept worrying and wondering about the girl, the dark eyes, and the long, dark hair back on campus, and if she was making the acquaintance of other young men. He, he lived just to, to call her on the phone. He longed to get rare mail from her, and she was among the prettiest and the best of the new freshman crop that had come in that year, and he knew that she was getting a lot of attention, Well, what he didn't know was this. What he didn't know was that one day shy of a year, from the day they met at a church picnic, she would walk the aisle of her home church, and she would become his companion for life. And then they would get in his little lime green Plymouth Duster, and they would drive off into the sunset together, and eventually they would have four sons and four daughters. So far, they've been married 36 years, and looking back from the perspective of passing time, he can see now that God was always clearly in control and he didn't have to worry. He could have enjoyed the ride.